Please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 25. As a Dodge Caravan, gray and wood, uh, license plate 58EM165 with the lights on. In our series on Genesis, uh, we come to Jacob and Esau, two of the patriarchs and uh, uh, two brothers whose lives were very different and uh, who illustrate many of the great principles of the Christian life in one way or another. We have a very unusual thing prior to their birth where God indicates his choice of Jacob. In chapter 25 and verse 20, it says... Uh, Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, and Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife, because she was barren, and the Lord was entreated, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. And the children struggled together within her. And she said, uh, If it be so, why am I thus? What's happening? And she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, Two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels, and the one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Notice uh, God makes a choice of the two, and the privileged one will be the younger. The elder will serve the younger. Now, this was fulfilled partially in the history of the nations that descended from them. But the Apostle Paul interprets this choice for us in Romans chapter 9, when he is discussing the doctrine of election. And uh, he raises the question, why is it that the Jewish people, by and large, have not received their own Messiah? Isn't that strange? And he says, well, God never promised that all of the Jews were going to believe in him. Rather, he indicated that he would make a choice among people, and he would choose some and bring them to faith, and others he would leave to the rebellion that they chose. And he illustrated when he said when Abraham had children, God chose Isaac and said, In Isaac shall your seed be called. I will be a God to you and to your seed after you. Not all your seed, but in Isaac. I'll be a God to Isaac. And then when Isaac had children by Rebekah that we just read about, he made another choice. It says, uh, Paul, he chose Jacob and not Esau. Romans chapter 9, uh, verse 10. Not only this, But when Rebekah also had conceived by one, even our father Isaac, the children being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that the purpose of God according to election might stand, not of works, but of him that calleth, it was said unto her, the elder shall serve the younger. God chose the younger one. And what Paul is saying in that choice, it wasn't just a choice of which was going to be the greatest we're picking up the same kind of choice that he made when he chose Isaac and not Ishmael. It was a choice, I'll be a God to Jacob. And he pulls from another Old Testament passage in Hosea. Even as it is written, 
Jacob have I loved, Esau have I hated. Esau have I not chosen, is the idea. The children, being not yet born, neither having done any good or evil, that God's election might be not of works, but of him that call it. What is this choice based on? Well, it wasn't based on Jacob being good and Esau not being good. It was not of works. They hadn't done any works. And God reveals the choice before the children are ever born so it might be understood. And he takes twins so it might be understood that it wasn't the family they came from or something else. Humanly speaking, there was as little difference between these two in their circumstances as possible. Same mother, same time, so on. And the point being made is it's God's sovereign choice that made the difference between the two. Nothing special about Esau. And uh, that's kind of sobering. And we have to use as our starting point the fact that were it not for that choice, no one would come. Remember, we've used an illustration of suppose you gave a party and you invited everybody on your street to come to the party, but nobody liked you. So no one was going to come to your party. That's the way it is with God and man. God invites all men to come. But no men like God on God's terms that we surrender our will to him in true repentance and put our trust in Christ as our Savior. And left ourselves, no man would come. And so the choice is to overcome the rebellion of some men and bring them to himself. And our response must be then, by the grace of God, I am what I am. Paul applies it in verse 16 of Romans 9, and he says, So then, it's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that shows mercy. Are you a Christian today? You say, yes, I ran, I chose, I willed to become a Christian. True. But why did you do that? It's not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. And so when you say, by the grace of God, I am what I am, it has a ring to it. Tis not that I didst choose thee, O Lord, that could not be. This heart had still refused thee, hadst thou not chosen me. T'was the same love that spread the feast. We have the feast pictured before us. That sweetly forced me in, else I had still refused to taste and perished in my sin. That's the biblical doctrine of election. And Jacob and Esau illustrate this in a very dramatic way. Well, we see the choice of Jacob. Well, <clears throat> what was Jacob like? The character of Jacob is brought out in three scenes here. First, at his birth, in uh, chapter 25, verse 26, as the twins are being born, Esau is born first. But notice what happens. In verse 26, after that, his brother Jacob came out, and his hand took hold on Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. It means uh, heel gripper, overreacher. And uh, has the idea of stealth. We use the term heel. He was sort of a heel. That's something of the connotation of it. 
His birth and what happened there gave us some insight into his character, what his character was going to be like. Then a second scene brings it out a little clearer. In verse 29, as they grow up, Esau's a hunter, Jacob's a farmer. And uh, Jacob uh, dwelt in tents. He was a plain man dwelling in tents, it says. In uh, verse 29, Jacob sawed pottage. And Esau came in from the field hunting, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, with some of that red pottage. Give me some of your cabbage soup, for I am faint. Jacob said, uh, Sell me this day thy birthright. The birthright had to do with certain privileges. Some of them were material privileges. The oldest son received a double portion of the inheritance. But it had to do with spiritual privileges. You were the spiritual head of the family. You had certain blessings that God would bestow on you normally. And uh, yet God had indicated the blessed one was going to be the younger son, Jacob. But this was the birthright that would go to Esau normally. Jacob says, uh, you hungry? Well, sell me your birthright. And Esau said, behold, I'm at the point to die. What profit shall this birthright do to me? I won't get it for a number of years. I won't even be alive if I don't get something to eat right now. And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he swore unto him, and he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage, and he did eat and drink, and rose up and went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. Well, uh, Jacob wanted spiritual blessings. Uh, he, he, why did he have that food? He was hungry. He was getting ready to eat. But Jacob was the kind of man that could discipline himself and postpone uh, the fulfillment of his desires. Esau was the kind of man that he wanted what he wanted now. Uh, Esau was typical of those who care more for worldly pleasures of this life, embracing the present, the tangible, at any cost. As time went on, he sought the company of the more worldly around him, the Canaanites, and married two Canaanite wives. He was typical of those who care more for worldly gain and pleasure. And he despised his birthright. He took lightly the religion of his father, the true religion, the privileges of it. If you were born in a Christian home, you have certain birthright that a large percent of the world doesn't have. You have the scriptures. You have the example of... Your parents praying, they take you to church. Esau didn't have any scriptures. Esau uh, didn't have a uh, church to go to. He did have some spiritual privileges. His father was the patriarch, the son of Abraham, and so on. But he takes lightly those things. You take lightly spiritual privileges that you're born into the things of God, the Word of God. When the moderator of the Church of Scotland participates in the coronation of a Queen of England, uh, he presents, or King of England, he presents the monarch 
with the Bible and with these words. The most precious thing the world knows, God's living word. The most precious thing the world knows. Is that true? Do you take it lightly? God gave his son. God gave the scriptures. Men gave their lives to translate the Bible and make it available to you. Wycliffe, Tyndall, those men were, they risked their lives and gave their lives for that. And you say, well, okay, but I've got more important things to do. I can take care of that later. You're despising your birthright. And God doesn't take it lightly when people show contempt for such things. Scene three is his beguiling of his father, Jacob's tricking his father. In chapter 27, verse 22, we have uh, Isaac old now, and he feels he's going to die soon. He can't see. He's lost his eyesight. And he calls Esau in, and he says, Esau, I, I may die soon, and uh, you go kill a deer and fix some venison, then I want to bestow a blessing on you. I want to give you your birthright, and I'll pronounce this blessing on you. Now, Esau had sold his birthright. His dad knew that, but they, they are determined to deflect this and to keep it on Esau. So there's double chicanery involved here, double conspiracy. But Jacob's mother, Rebecca, overhears this conversation. She calls Jacob in and she says, your dad's going to bestow this birthright. You go out and uh, uh, I'm going to fix some meat here for your dad. And then I'm going to cover you with skins, your brother's hairy. And you take it in. You tell him you're Esau and you'll receive the birthright. So they do that, and they trick the old man. In uh, verse 26, His father Isaac said unto him, Come near now and kiss me, my son. He came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his raiment and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is as the smell of a field which the Lord has blessed. Uh, Therefore God give thee of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of corn and wine. Let people serve thee. Nations bow down to thee. Be Lord over thy brethren. Let thy mother's sons bow down to thee. Cursed be everyone that curseth thee, and blessed be he that blesseth thee. Now, he blesses him, but God gives him the blessing to pronounce. He thinks he's pronouncing it on Esau. Esau then comes in with the deer he's killed prepared, and The trickery is made known. And uh, Esau says, now bless me, father. And his father says, well, I I pronounced that blessing on Jacob, and I cannot reverse it. And he realizes that God has given this to Esau. But the trickery, uh, given it to Jacob, the trickery on Jacob's part, Jacob and his mother should have just trusted God to bestow the blessing in his own way and not use trickery. And we begin to pick up the character of Jacob here. 
a spiritually minded man and yet one whose character has got great defects in it. Well, Esau is angry, threatens to kill him. Jacob has to leave and flee. And as he does, he goes to his uncle Laban's house. And as he does, why, God makes himself known. God has chosen Jacob. That means in time, God is going to reveal himself to Jacob. And as Jacob journeys, he lies down at Bethel and uh, places a rock under his head, and God gives a dream that night. In chapter 28, verse 12, it says, He dreamed, Behold, a ladder set up on the earth. The top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham thy father and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth. Thou shalt spread abroad. In thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Here's the covenant promise that God had given to Abraham. I give you the land, and I will be a God to you, and to your seed after you. In your seed, ultimately, Jesus, all families of the earth will be blessed. The covenant promise, the great covenant. And, uh, and he says, verse 15, Behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all places whither thou goest. And I will bring thee again into this land... For I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. God revealing himself. What's the meaning of this ladder? The angels ascending and descending. Well, it speaks of, of intercourse between heaven and earth, communion with God. Something years later, 2,000 years later, Jesus said to Nathaniel, Verily, verily, I say unto you, hereafter you shall see the heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man, upon himself, Jesus. What's he saying? He's saying, in my life and ministry, this vision of the intercourse between heaven and earth and communion there will reach its highest point. I'm the bridge. I'm the ladder. I fill the gap between holy God and sinful man. Because he would fill that gap by dying for our sins so that God could forgive and yet uphold his law. Jesus bridges the gap between God and man, ultimately. The meaning of the promise. Uh, we have this covenant promise the land promise, the land, of course, ultimately pictured another land, heaven, the promised land that all true believers are going to for an everlasting possession. Personal protection, I will be with thee. All of this totally undeserved. Jacob is a trickster, a liar. But God graciously revealing himself, initiating contact, with Jacob. Notice how Jacob responds. 
In verse 16, Jacob awaked out of his sleep, and he said, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid, and he said, How dreadful is this place! This is none other but the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Jacob rose up early in the morning. He took the stone that he had for his pillow, set it up for a pillar, and poured oil on the top of it, dedicated the place. And he called the name of that place Bethel. And Jacob vowed a vow, saying, If God will be with me and will keep me in his, this way that I go, and will give me bread to eat and raiment to put on, so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then shall the Lord be my God. And of all that thou givest me, I will surely give thee the tenth. I will tithe to you. He's not bargaining with God. God, if you'll do this, I'll do that. He's responding to this incredible blessing, this gift from God. God says, I'm just going to give you the land, and I'm going to be with you. And Jacob's saying, if you're going to do that for me, well, then I'm going to serve you. You'll be my God. I'll be your servant. Of everything that you give me, I'll return a tenth in recognition of where it came from. Notice we have tithing here before the law commanded tithing. Just as a basic principle, Abraham had tithed, and now we find Jacob tithing. This, I believe, was Jacob's conversion. He comes to know God here. He responds to God's gracious gift in surrender and trust. So here was here's a man. He's chosen. God has made himself known. But his character hasn't changed a whole lot. But he's one of God's people now. And so what's got to happen? His character has to be changed. How will God change a man like this? God will put him with a man like himself. One who can out-trick him. Uh, one who's harder than he is. He goes uh, to his uncle Laban. And uh, Laban puts him to work. And Laban tricks him. He tricks him first in the matter of wives and then in the matter of wages. When he goes to his uncle Laban, Laban has a daughter, Rachel, who's a beauty. And uh, Jacob, in verse 18 of chapter 29, Jacob loved Rachel and said, to Laban, I will serve thee seven years for Rachel, thy younger daughter. Seven years. How many of you married fellows here? I won't ask that question. <clears throat> uh, and uh, Laban said, It's better that I give her to thee than that I should give her to another man. Abide with me. And Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days for the love that he had to her. That's one of the most romantic verses in the Bible. This seemed a few days, seven years. And the wedding night came. They had the wedding, and, and uh, in the dark, uh, Jacob goes in to his wife in the tent, and in the morning, instead of it being Rachel, it was her older sister, not so pretty, Leah. Somebody said Jacob wasn't the last man to think he married Rachel, turned out to be Leah. Well, anyway, uh, 
His dad tricked him. And he said, what did you do to me? He said, well, this, this is a custom in our country. You don't marry the younger daughter first. Now, you, uh, you stick with me seven more years, and I'm going to give them both to you. So he gives him Rachel also. Then he cheats him in his wages. But God looked after him. And while God used Labam to knock some of the rough edges off of Jacob, not all of them, there was a crisis yet before Jacob uh, that we won't cover today. But God didn't let Labam really hurt Jacob. He protected him and he blessed him in all of this with children. You and me, Just like all of us, in a sense, we, we start off like Jacob. There's the Jacob in us. And God has to overcome our resistance and make himself known to us, call us to himself. And uh, then we must learn in the power of the Spirit to put to death our old ways, our Jacob. That's the Christian life, learning to die to self and and not be Jacob. And God will chasten us because he loves us. Just as he chastened Jacob. If you're not a Christian, but you started off in a Christian home, don't despise your birthright. It's pictured for us in the Lord's Supper here. Christ said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. I'm giving myself for you. If you have grown up around Christian things, you know about that. It's your birthright to be aware of these things and respond to these things. Don't take that light. Don't say, well, I know all of that, but I've got more important things for now. I want to live my own life for a while, and later on, you're despising your birthright. And when Esau came back and wanted to reverse things, God didn't let him reverse things. Don't take lightly the things of God and Christ and the Word so wonderfully pictured for us here in the Lord's Supper. Let us pray. As our hearts are bowed, uh, are you uh, responding to the Lord's revelation to you as he made himself known in various ways uh, are you dealing with the Jacob in your life? Are you more like Esau, taking lightly the things of God, despising your birthright? Which one represents you? Where along the line are you? What would God have you to do? Lord, we pray that you would speak to every heart and that we might not be like Esau, despising our birthright. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.